0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and it's great to be with you today. Over the years here, we've done two episodes on Bigfoot, one titled The Rise of the Swamp Apes, which covered the legend of Florida's version of Bigfoot, and another titled Bigfoot, The Legend Lives, in which we cover the theories and the science that surround the Bigfoot phenomenon. As a humorous aside, My research has led me to a number of Bigfoot t-shirts available online, and my favorite is undefeated hide-and-seek world champion, showing a picture of Bigfoot walking through the trees. And how true. These legendary cryptids have been heard and seen and photographed and videotaped countless times, but still, we don't have a body. Hair samples have proved inconclusive. And all we've been left with is footprints and the plaster cast we've made of those footprints. Hoaxers have muddied the water as well, with regard to people's opinions, which leaves many to believe that all the Bigfoot sightings ever recorded worldwide have been one big hoax. Many of the same people believe that there is no such thing as UFOs. However, the number of non-believers there has shrunk considerably in recent years. Reports of Bigfoot sightings still come into the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or BFRO.net, with British Columbia and the American Northwest leading the pack in numbers of sightings. But states such as Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, and Texas still contribute, and incidentally, sightings have been made in all the U.S. states. Among all of the supposed mysterious creatures out there, Sasquatch or Bigfoot Ranks high as one of the most well-known of them all. Versions of Bigfoot exist worldwide. He is called Yeti in the Himalayas, Yaoi in Australia, Sasquatch in the American Northwest, Skunk Ape in the American Southeast, Mapinguari in South America, Almus in Mongolia, and Yeren in China, The Grassman in Ohio, and Orang Pendak in Sumatra. The creature is usually described as some sort of undiscovered primate or hominid lurking out past our awareness. But there have been plenty of reports that seem to paint it as perhaps something more. Here we get into a tangled realm of accounts and sightings suggesting that Bigfoot is much more than any ordinary animal, especially when we see reports of these cryptids appearing and disappearing out of thin air. Scientists believe they're doing this with the use of portals, which have been described as magnetic anomalies which distort time and space, and through which creatures from another dimension can and do appear and disappear. In addition to portals, the theory that some cryptids, and even UFOs, can cloak themselves with invisibility is talked about and written about often. The existence of portals could explain quite a few mysteries and disappearances over the years disappearances of airplanes, ships, people, UFOs, strange cryptids such as Bigfoot and chupacabras, and a variety of other unusual creatures and cryptids, such as Lizardman and Mothman. There have been quite a few sporadic reports of Bigfoot seemingly passing through portals or materializing or dematerializing at will, perhaps passing through a veil between two realities— One such report comes from Massachusetts, where the Leominster State Forest sprawls out over 4,246 acres near the towns of Leominster, Fitchburg, Princeton, Sterling, and Westminster. Here, local historian and Leominster native Ronnie LeBlanc had a very strange encounter with a mysterious, apparently dimension shifting beast in the woods when he was just 12 years old, and which has to this day convinced him that Bigfoot is more than a flesh-and-blood animal. He says of his experience, There was one particular trail that I always used to avoid. It always had a very dark, ominous feeling to it. It would be a beautiful day, and you look down this thing and it looked dark. There were two trees on either side. It just felt like this prehistoric gate welcoming me into this place. I start going down this trail with my bike, and I just could hear the bike squeaking and I noticed there are no other sounds in the forest. Nothing. The trail just had a feeling to it. So I was there, and all of a sudden I realized there was no sound, no animal or bird life, just these two huge trees that were standing there like a doorway. There was no life there at all. I was standing there with my feet on the ground, and all of a sudden, the quiet turned into a loud noise. At that moment, Something crashed through the woods right in front of me, and I could feel it reverberating in the soles of my feet. To me, it sounded like an elephant crashing in the woods right near me. It was pushing trees and shrubs. It went across the trail and onto the other side. I could hear it, but I couldn't see anything. That's what was disturbing. I was so scared, and I couldn't move. Once it stopped, I pedaled out of there so fast and never went back. Interestingly, according to LeBlanc, there have been numerous reports of people similarly hearing something large crashing through trees or even seeing the brush get pushed aside, yet they were unable to see what was causing it. LeBlanc has theorized that whatever is behind such sightings is perhaps cloaking itself or can dematerialize at will or is passing through a portal between two different realities. This would perhaps point to Bigfoot being something more than a large, undiscovered biological entity. And LeBlanc has said of this, I would say Bigfoot is something that's more interdimensional, almost spiritual, a kind of a realm that has the ability to manifest itself. I started off chasing an ape, a flesh-and-blood animal, and now I'm thinking it's something else. As you dig deeper into Bigfoot, you start talking about cloaking and the fact that they can vanish before people's eyes. And these stories go back hundreds of years, where all of a sudden, a posse has this creature cornered, and the tracks just disappear in an open field, like something just came and picked it up and took it away. So all these stories start to intertwine. A lot of these people are talking about these similar encounters that I had. So there's a belief that Bigfoot could be alien or interdimensional, and it sounds crazy, like something in science fiction. But when you think about it, we have this preconceived notion that an alien has to be gray or green. People have seen Bigfoot holding an orb. They look like a basketball with plasma swirling around, and they're silent. I've seen them hovering over the sky, and they just blink out and disappear. There are a lot of different theories about Bigfoot, but the reality is something's happening. People are seeing them, and they're leaving tracks. According to LeBlanc, that part of Massachusetts has been a hotspot of Bigfoot sightings going all the way back to 1884, with early settlers even complaining that the creatures would attack and kill livestock, as well as reports of various other strange phenomena, such as UFOs, shadow people, strange beings, and balls of light. So considering these bizarre accounts, is this maybe because the area has some thin spot between dimensions? There are quite a few reports along these lines of apparent Bigfoot just blinking out of existence somehow. There have been several similarly bizarre and inexplicable cases of Sasquatch simply vanishing in full view, listed in a paper called Vanishing Bigfoot in Anecdotal Accounts, Implications and Challenges for Researchers, by Sharon Cornett. One of the cases covered comes from the summer of 2000 by a witness named John Bohannon. He claims that he had been driving along a dirt road during the daylight hours just west of the Three Rivers campground near Alamogordo, New Mexico, when he saw a massive bipedal ape-like creature, which was estimated to have been around eight feet tall and walking along in the same direction as his vehicle. The driver slowed down to gape at it, and the massive beast was described as having short, reddish-brown hair all over its body, with longer hair underneath its forearms, and a face that looked like a Neanderthal. It allegedly kept up its brisk stride while staring directly at John for about a hundred feet, after which it suddenly just abruptly faded away into thin air, as if it had just been somehow erased. The witness explained that there were no trees or anything that it could have hidden behind, and that it seemed as if it had walked through an invisible wall. Also covered is a curious account that allegedly happened to witness Larry Kelm in August of nineteen eighty, near Eugene, Oregon, and Oregon. Near Eugene, Oregon, and it's hard to really classify, seeming to point at banishing Sasquatch being the result of some sort of interdimensional portal. On this day, Larry had decided to take a hike along the Malala Indian Trail, which connects the ridges of Saddle Blanket Mountain and nearby Oak Ridge. At some point during his hike, the witness claims that his surroundings became blurry, overcast, and tinged with an odd gray color, despite the sunny weather, and even though there were no clouds in the sky, it seemed as if a shadow had been cast over the land. Larry would say of this, I was walking along the trail enjoying the strong breeze and bright sunshine when in the middle of a step everything around me started to turn gray and blurry. The only way I can describe it was as if suddenly I was looking through someone else's prescription sunglasses. I finished the step and started another. Every inch I moved forward the darkness increased and the gray blurring turned into a jumble of shapes that made no sense. Then, as suddenly as this had all happened, there he reports that he seemed to have passed through a barrier and that everything returned into focus, but that it was now nighttime and the wind had completely ceased the air also becoming more humid, like a rainforest. Upon looking around himself, Larry found that the scenery had changed in other bizarre ways as well. Instead of the fir trees that had been around him before, there was now thick, unrecognizable and wild vegetation similar to a jungle, and the air seemed thick and oppressively humid. Even though it was now night and there was no discernible moon in the sky, he found that he could still see everything to some degree. "'as if there was some mysterious light source "'casting a faint frosting of light upon the landscape. "'At this point, Larry claims that the air was pierced "'by a continuous, high-pitched, keening sound, "'which immediately filled him with an unbearable sense of dread. "'He explained the really quite bizarre events that followed "'and his thoughts on the matter. "'There were no stars in the sky,' he said, "'but there was a different light that let me see everything clearly.' However, I couldn't tell what the light source was. As often happens when the human body receives a massive dose of adrenaline, the entire incident appeared like it was in slow motion, and even though I was only there for a second or two, I had time to observe my surroundings. The silence was broken by continuous, high-pitched keening sounds, and I was nearly overwhelmed with a sense of fear and danger. My momentum caused me to take one more step before stopping in my tracks. It was at this point i heard a whispered gotcha over my right shoulder i couldn't tell if i heard it with my ears or inside my head the word wasn't directed at me but something said the word quietly to itself i was so terrified i actually felt my heart stop for a moment that whispered word is what saved me i opened my mouth and gasped in a huge gush of thick air and recoiled backward in the same footsteps I had entered wherever I was. As I threw myself backward, I looked over my right shoulder. A dark-colored, hairy right hand and arm was reaching for my throat over my shoulder. The hand had pale ivory spade-shaped fingernails. The nails looked clean and almost had a manicured look to them. The thumb was placed lower, towards the wrist, on the hand than a human's. Both hand and arm were thin and powerful looking, and both were covered with thick, coarse, black hair. I got a good look at it because the thumbnail grazed my neck. It did not break the skin, as I moved backwards. As I continued backwards, the hand clutched where my neck had been a split second before, and it seemed to fade off into the distance as I returned through the portal. I took two more steps backwards, and everything reversed itself from what had just happened. The world around me became lighter, THE fir AND PINES GRADUALLY CAME BACK INTO VIEW, AND BY THE THIRD STEP I WAS BACK ON SADDLE-BLANKET MOUNTAIN. I CONTINUED TO MOVE BACKWARDS IN TERROR, AND AS I DID, I OBSERVED THAT WHERE I HAD JUST COME FROM WAS A SHIMMERING OVAL PATCH OF AIR ABOUT THE SIZE OF A LARGE DOOR. THE WOODS BEHIND IT LOOKED LIKE IT WAS UNDER WATER. BY THE FIFTH backward STEP THE SHIMMERING AREA SEEMED TO JUST EVAPORATE, AND EVERYTHING WAS BACK TO NORMAL. By then, my lungs had nearly burst from the volume of air I had inhaled during the huge gasp I would just taken. My body felt like it was on fire from the adrenaline surge. I spun around and ran back down the trail as fast as my legs could carry me, and I didn't stop until I reached my truck. I was nearly two days getting to that place and about three hours getting back. It had been a trap, pure and simple. Whatever it was that tried to kill me, somehow kept the portal hidden from me on the way in, and I didn't actually see it until I was back out again. I had terrible nightmares for years, and still haven't come to grips with what happened. Severely shaken, I've read everything I could get my hands on about people who have mysteriously disappeared throughout history, and discovered several instances where people have vanished in plain sight of others. The quantum physics people have a theory about parallel universes. They just might be right. In yet another report, a witness called Mrs. Montanas was driving along a desert highway east of El Paso, Texas, when she spotted a Bigfoot reportedly hunched over a dead coyote. She slowed her vehicle to get a better look at the bizarre sight, and claims that as she looked on, the massive beast started to sort of sink, as if being absorbed into the ground, until it was completely gone. She was convinced that there had to have been a cave there, and that the thing had simply retreated to its dark confines." But when the spot was investigated, there was found to be no cave or other opening in the ground. Curiously, the coyote was gone, and there were no footprints of anything that could have matched the description of what she had seen. Where in the world did it go? No one knows. In the book The Psychic Sasquatch and Their UFO Connection by Kiwani Lepsiritis, M.S., there is an odd account concerning an encounter with a Bigfoot by a group of hikers. According to one of the witnesses, a Mrs. Jeffrey, the group was returning from a hike when a large Sasquatch around nine feet tall stepped out in front of them to stare for a moment before vanishing right before their eyes. The group insists that it simply dematerialized, blinking out of existence. The witness was reportedly so upset by what she had seen that she did not leave her house for a week and refused to go back to the area. There is also a report from the Texas Bigfoot Research Center from a witness near Manchester, Texas. The witness claims that in around 1990 he was deer hunting in Red River County, Texas and was sitting upon a stool waiting for deer to pass by when he saw a large 8 or 9 foot high dark shape around 120 yards away from his position. Thinking it might be just a large tree stump, the witness took a look through his telescopic rifle scope and was startled to see that it was a hulking, ape-like creature that was staring right back at him. The witness observed it for some time before being momentarily distracted by the snap of a twig or stick nearby him. He alleges that he looked away for a split second, and when he went back to the scope to continue watching, the strange creature was gone. Considering that it had been standing in a grassy meadow and had been out of sight for not even a second, it was as if it had just vanished into thin air he would later speculate that the snap he had heard had perhaps been a diversion by another one of the creatures. As to why he had not tried to take a shot at it with his rifle, the witness said, "'At this time I got up and left everything but my rifle "'and backed out of the area. "'I had this thing dead to rights in my scope, "'but I couldn't shoot because I did not feel threatened.'" One very interesting account of an apparently vanishing Bigfoot was related on the radio show, Coast to Coast AM, on a July 15, 2016 episode hosted by George Norrie. The witness, who called himself Gene, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, claimed that he had been hunting for elk at around 7 a.m. out near a border town on the Arizona-Mexico border called Gallup. The land was located on a Navajo reservation and described as being very remote, rugged, and mountainous. As Gene prowled through the rough landscape looking for his quarry, He claims that he got the distinct feeling that something large was following him, perhaps even stalking him. This is the transcript from the show. "'I'm an ex-Navy corpsman. I know when something's following me. I'm about an hour and a half back in, and I'm way out in the middle of nowhere. So I go around, and I end up on a box canyon on top of this mesa that overlooks the boonies. It's like a thousand-foot drop.' "'Okay.' Real quick, I head back towards the box canyon.' was trying to get away from whatever was following me. All of a sudden I hear these thundering footsteps and I lean up against the wall and here comes about seven horses out from the middle of nowhere into this box canyon. Wild horses. I get around the box canyon and there it is. It jumps off the top of a 20-foot dead-end box canyon. I was at the bottom. I'm looking up and now I'm looking at it. And it jumped one foot down. "'one foot up on the side. "'It was exactly what everybody says "'that you guys talk about. "'Yeah, and I'm in the middle of an Indian reservation "'on the top of a little mesa. "'It blew my mind. "'It looked right at me. "'I was less than fifty yards from it. "'I didn't freeze. "'I took off running. "'Then something threw a rock at me. "'It was a huge rock. "'I'd say it weighed about eight pounds. "'It would have killed me if it hit me. "'I looked, and I tripped out. At 120 to 200 yards away, there it was, and it looked at me. I'm sorry, George, but that far, I'm telling you, it blew my mind. It threw an eight-pound rock at least 120 yards, and this thing was not small. This thing was huge. The terrified witness then decided to take a shot at the thing with his rifle and claims that he actually directly hit it. But after taking a few steps, the massive beast simply disappeared into thin air, as if it had never been there at all. When the witness went to investigate, there were found to be enormous footprints imprinted in the ground, but no blood or other physical evidence left behind, and there was no sign at all of where the beast could have possibly gone, as if it had just phased out of reality. He was absolutely baffled, and would later explain, I don't know where it's from, but wherever it came from, when I hit it, "'It had the ability to just disappear into thin air. "'You know, I looked. "'I followed the footprints. "'I walked a hundred and twenty yards. "'It wasn't that far from the top of a mesa. "'It had nowhere to go. "'Never ever have I seen it again. "'And never ever have I gone back. "'Not by myself, anyway. "'That situation was yet another case "'that seems to show these creatures "'passing through some barrier between realities, "'and which may hint at these things "'being more than meets the eye.' The idea that these creatures may be more interdimensional than flesh-and-blood biological entities has created quite a stir in the circles of Bigfoot studies. But according to proponents of the idea that Bigfoot is an interdimensional interloper, in a sense, it might explain a lot of the discrepancies and the evidence put forward for such creatures so far. For instance, it might explain why photographs turn out so blurry, or why there has been so little physical evidence or body turned up after all this time. Considering this, and that such weird reports populate the domain of Bigfoot sightings right along with more traditional sightings of what appears to be simply an undiscovered ape-like creature, some researchers have proposed that we expand our definition of what Bigfoot might be. One of these is paranormal researcher William Hall, who has said of it, It used to be that the UFO people didn't talk to the ghost people because they were a little weird, and nobody would talk to the Bigfoot people because they were crazy. We cannot continue to do that. In reality, quantum physics is leading us there. That portals could be why we don't see any bodies, why there are no bones. I have no official opinion on it. I leave nothing off the table, because there are a lot of things we find in our field work that we just can't explain. It would appear that the Bigfoot phenomenon is perhaps even stranger than it already seems, and it all remains pretty controversial within the field. Yet, as long as Bigfoot reports continue to come in, there will be some that will be labeled as more fringe than others, and who are we to completely blow them off? If we are to accept any of them, perhaps we have to accept these as well, and try and find a place to fit them in. If Bigfoot are even real at all, then perhaps there is more than one phenomenon happening here—that of the flesh-and-blood creature, and that of something else, from beyond what we think we know about the very universe itself— Whether there is anything to this or not, it certainly adds to the discussion on the Bigfoot phenomenon as a whole, no matter what one may think. We'll return with our story right after these sponsor messages. And now back to Urban Legends 12. Two important questions remain that continue to plague investigators, cryptozoologists, and other researchers who are attempting to explain and find the final evidence that will prove, once and for all, The existence of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Skunk Apes, Yeti, Yowies, Almas, Captors, Mapinguari, and their kind, world over. For the Bigfoot researcher who goes into the field, specifically here in the U.S., and has learned the habits and idiosyncrasies of Bigfoot, collected eyewitness testimonies, hair, feces, and other field samples, made numerous footprint casts, and even spotted Bigfoot themselves, there is little or no doubt left of their obvious existence. But to the skeptic who ridicules the evidence and does not do any serious field work or research which would support or falsify that work scientifically, the same two questions are thrown into the face of those who seriously want to expose an irrefutable answer concerning the elusive Bigfoot. The questions, where are the bodies or bones? And why do they seem to vanish into thin air before they can be caught? even though there are historical, folkloric, and oral traditional tales existent throughout the nations of the earth, we're still faced with the fact that, to date, not a single one of these giant hairy creatures has been caught alive to be observed, studied, and documented by the experts, and no remains have been found for examination in the laboratory. These curiosities nag those of us who remain. Hoaxers and outright liars only compound the problems we face, In order to begin finding the answers, we must understand the questions and the creatures that incite them within our minds. We must look at the evidence with an open mind and take all the evidence into account, and not just the parts that are acceptable to our own belief systems. To understand where the bodies of Bigfoot and his kind go during and after death, and how they seem to amazingly evaporate from any hold we could possibly put on them while alive, may be the key to finding them. Sharon Cornett writes, in Vanishing Bigfoot, there is evidence, according to worldwide eyewitness testimonies, that this creature, although with the appearance of a half-human, half-ape-like face, might be completely different than either humans or apes in not only environment, but also physiology, diet, thinking abilities, and other talents. It is very possible that the reason the best hunters have yet to toe in a Bigfoot body is because Bigfoot is acutely more aware and more keen than we previously thought. Perhaps we underestimate these gentle giants immensely. For answers to these problems, we would look not only to testimonies for clues, but also to evidence in the field that might help explain some of the strange camouflaging and apparent invisibility-slash-transparency abilities that these musky-smelling hominoids appear to be utilizing. Please note, as we continue, that these accounts are varied, but all have a few things in common either bad smells associated or not associated with Bigfoot camouflage, unexplainable disappearances, or outright vanishing in front of the witnesses by different means. Please also note that the majority of sightings are typically in forested or mountainous areas, near waterways of some kind, and usually on or near fault line areas, and or volcanic, granitic areas. For the record, up front, I am not yet convinced of Bigfoot being a UFO occupant placed here on Earth. Some indications could show mimicry, however, but that is another subject for another paper. This story, I found out later, was based on the Blackwood one, but I suspect Blackwood based his on the northern U.S. Canadian legends of the Wendigo. The story goes like this. There were these two guys that went canoeing, and they came to a place where they had the portage, which means carry their canoes overland. They walked through the woods until night fell, and they set up camp. Well, one of the guys woke up in the middle of the night to answer the call of nature, and he saw that the side of the tent was bowed inward, as if someone was leaning on it. But his buddy was sleeping right next to him. He reached up to touch the tent wall, and it was ice cold. He was so scared, he just lay there till morning, not sleeping. When day came, the thing outside the tent was gone. So the two guys packed up their gear and "'and got their canoe and headed off again. "'They walked all day, "'and when the sun was setting, "'they came upon an old Indian man "'holding a human skull and shaking beads in it. "'He said to him, "'You can't stay here. "'This is Wendigo territory. "'Get through it as quickly as you can. "'Of course, being stupid white guys, "'they laughed at him and kept walking. "'Well, the sun went down, "'and all of a sudden, "'somewhere behind them in the woods, "'they heard this horrible scream.' It could only have been the old Indian. They looked at each other, kind of freaked out, and they started walking a little quicker. And then, behind them, they heard this huge, crashing noise like a runaway bulldozer coming through the woods. They looked around, and there was nothing there. But the trees were splintering and crashing down in the path of something horrible and invisible. Well, they dropped their canoe and all their gear, and they just ran like hell, and kept running until they dropped from sheer exhaustion and the thing behind them came howling up and stopped and crashed around for a while in frustration, but it couldn't get them because they had reached the far edge of its territory. Here are some typical reports with interesting features. 1930, at Kwatwakitasu Bay, Swindle Island, British Columbia, by Tom Brown. Bigfoot seen in shallows at night, screamed when shot at, but no body to be found next day. 1950s, by two men camping at Pine Barrens, New Jersey. Two separate sightings of Bigfoot at night, one from only a few yards, overpowering foul odor noticed. Spring 1957, two hunters at Big Cypress Swamp, Florida. As they slept in hammocks, a Bigfoot stood and watched them. They awoke and saw it was tall and dark with glowing eyes. After about two minutes, it walked away. 1964, Point Isabel, Claremont County, Ohio. Mr. and Mrs. Lou Lister were sitting in a parked car. They saw a Bigfoot, which changed shape, and then vanished. July 1965, Jack Taylor at Buttedale, British Columbia. Man fishing saw two Bigfoot creatures on shore and another in the water swimming strongly. Summer 1966, Anclode River, Elfers, Florida. Bigfoot seen by Ralph Bud Chambers. It was standing in the trees and had a rancid, putrid odor. Summer of 66, in Richland, Washington, Greg Pointer, Roger True, Tom Thompson, Carl and Jim Franklin, John McKnight, Alvin Anderson, Selby Green, Roger Howard, Bob McDonald, Ron Blackburn, all witnessed an eight-foot whitish gray Bigfoot, which they repeatedly shot at, but with no effect. October 1966, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Clifford McGuire and family. Over a period of several weeks, a five-foot Bigfoot that cried like a baby roamed around their property, and the radio would stop when it was near. September 1967, Carol Davis from Bellingham, Washington, saw a Bigfoot wading out of the sea. 1970, two fishermen in Priest Lake, Idaho, saw a Bigfoot swimming across a lake. 1972, a rancher from North Fork Loggy Creek, Washington. A foul smelling Bigfoot approached campfire and stood for several minutes before shuffling away. Dogs were paralyzed with fear. May 29, 1973. Anthony Dorsey, Sykesville, Maryland, made first sighting of Bigfoot with luminous eyes. This was after a UFO was seen to drop an object into a nearby reservoir. Other people reported seeing an eight foot black haired Bigfoot. October 1973, Galveston, Indiana. Jeff Martin, or Jim Mays, one name is probably a pseudonym, as the initials are the same, saw Bigfoot on two occasions, also lights or UFOs, same area, same time. 1974, Uniontown, PA, a woman and son-in-law say Bigfoot disappeared when shot at, others seen close by, plus a UFO. Another account, after returning from a long hike, A group was stunned when a 9- to 10-foot Sasquatch stepped out in front of them a short distance away. Then, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bigfoot completely disappeared in front of the witnesses. The witnesses insisted that it literally dematerialized. Mrs. Jeffrey reported that she was so awed at what she saw that when they returned home, she did not leave the house for two weeks. This is from some field tests from 1975 to current. Selections from John Eric Beckyard. B.A.M.B.A., the Bigfoot Investigation Project. We moved to Bellingham, Washington on November 1975 and settled in on the Lummi Indian Reservation, where dozens of sightings were happening. We traversed the entire res over and over, checking into the most remote and never-visited rainforest in the center. We made another sighting near Fort Lewis, where the Bigfoot disappeared in front of us. It really did. Range, 10 feet. We found at that site deep tracks, we heard them being made, that run at six foot strides down to barbed wire fence, and no, zero, no tracks in the sea of mud, two hundred feet on the other side. Where did it go? Wings? Helicopter? Blimp? We heard nothing. On the res in snow, we found tracks that started from under a snowed over bush that meandered two hundred feet crossed a road, and slowly morphed into human boots, ending at a house. Nobody home. One very large humanoid handprint was in the snow as well. Back again near Tacoma, we found 210 barefoot tracks starting from another snowed-over bush that also meandered in an open field. They then ended, or quit, in snow, with no trees, no rocks, and no dry land to jump to. Did it fly? or what? We found hunters who had shot at Bigfoots directly, with no effect. We played baby scream tapes, and a gray fox-bean thing came out and looked at us askance, and shortly after we experienced tremendous internal fear as the sun set, and we zoomed out at 70 miles per hour, sweating and scared. The message, a form of telepathy, was, Get out of here! On a side trip north by Lake Stevens, We went out with witnesses and one woman alone answering the call of nature said there was something invisible next to her. We found 16-inch tracks in dirt and snow all around the area. On other trips, we were paralyzed when Bigfoot came close to us and realized when they left, we had smells come to us that changed into three types, one after another, projected at us. We interviewed two kidnappees. One experienced telepathy from him to them, and later he found they answered his questions into his head, without he having to speak in words. From this tiny handful, out of hundreds and hundreds in the U.S. and Canada alone, of Bigfoot sightings, we've seen witnesses being subjected to numerous phenomena. However, we will be covering a few aspects on the putrid smells next to see how it might, or might not, fit in with Bigfoot invisibility. Within the Bigfoot research community, The reason for the horrible stench is generally thought of as an outward sign of irritation, threat, or fear, very similar to what a gorilla will do in stressful situations. The smell that wafts off a Bigfoot and far into the countryside is often described as extremely strong, very potent, permeating the nostrils, sometimes into the next days long after the smell in the air is gone. With people claiming, "'It smelled like a mix between skunk and wet dog,' or like rotting flesh, or rotting garbage, extremely terrible body odor, urine and feces, or even sulfur or rotten eggs. Many have posed the question as to what it is, physiologically speaking, that causes such a strong odor to emanate from the huge body of Bigfoot, even though the accompanying smell only incorporates up to 30% to 50% of the typical sighting reports that come into the researcher's hands. This sulfur or rotten egg-like odor is often found in nature and otherwise known as hydrogen sulfide or H2S. H2S is an acidic gas with some interesting properties and some fascinating implications, at least when it comes to Bigfoot. In large concentrations, this gas is toxic to aerobic life. Before we get into any hypothesis about hydrogen sulfide and any so-called disappearance of Bigfoot, We'd like to fill you in on a little bit of, of what H2S is all about. When hydrogen sulfide comes into contact with the skin or lungs, it's absorbed into the body. H2S can be found in the atmosphere, near hot springs, oil deposits, combustion of fossil fuels, volcanic eruptions, and caves, along with any forest which has organic, plant or animal, decomposing substances, as well as being found near fault line areas. Radio signals also build up at fault lines, and earthquake zones. In green sulfur bacteria, the electron donor is H2S or S-sulfur. Plants, animals, and microorganisms regularly transmute the first 20 elements of the periodic table at the subatomic level using enzymes and hormones, with hydrogen or oxygen as the primary catalyst. Well water that contains high sulfur content has that well-known rotten egg smell as well. H2S is found all over the Earth, including in the human body. People who lack an adequate amount of certain enzymes may excrete more H2S from their sweat glands, bowels, and skin. Within any given ecosystem, we have a potential for H2S to appear. It's extremely abundant in limestone caves. According to my research, she writes, and that of others, it has been evident that Bigfoot is often found in these same areas. Why? One idea that circulated among some researchers is that Bigfoot may actually be using H2S to cause mental paralysis or temporary hypnosis within the minds of the animals or people nearby in order to escape more readily into the cover of the night or forest. One, of course, would think, why use a smell in order to run away when Bigfoot's gigantic size and strength alone could overpower even the largest, strongest man in ten states? Perhaps, like pacifist gorillas, the tendency to bluff rather than attack may be the answer. This tells us a lot about his nature, although when considering that Bigfoot might be causing a temporary state of suspended animation or some form of hypnosis or altered consciousness via mental confusion in those who inhale the H2S, it could prove to be a great way to camouflage oneself. This would serve to make it a quick escape and avoid further detection. Of course, yet another hypothesis exists that Bigfoot is psychic and can perform mind control over humans, much like the legends about Native American, or other, shamans, who affect the mind of the observer to trick them into believing that they've seen them shapeshift into an animal. However, until Bigfoot is able to demonstrate this under controlled conditions, then people will hardly consider it as proof, even though hundreds of witnesses claim it is true. Lastly, the question... Is Bigfoot an extraterrestrial visitor? Some researchers think so. This was an article by Michael D. Kane. Leominster, Massachusetts. Is it possible the creature known as Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or by a number of different names all over the world, is an interdimensional traveler? That's a theory now in play with both Bigfoot and UFO researchers, and one that played heavily into discussions at this weekend's Greater New England UFO Conference held in Leominster. Paranormal researcher William Hall, at the convention ostensibly to talk ghosts, said the paranormal world as a whole is more connected than people realize. But that's beginning to change, at least from the perspective of those involved in ground-level research. Hall, who began his paranormal research with UFOs and aliens, said many of the classic signs from human encounters with otherworldly beings ghosts, aliens, and Bigfoot, have similar signs, be they disappearing beings, fast-moving objects, or strange lights. As a result, many are starting to think of the fields holistically, he said. David McCullough, a member of Team Squatchachusetts, has had his own experience with orbs of bright lights in the woods. Since then, he said he is more open to the idea of the orbs as portals, which are starting to be reported in every state often in places known to have Bigfoot sightings. While McCullough said it left him wondering, he did joke that, based on witness descriptions, the portal beings are more like Star Wars Ewoks than the giants known as Sasquatches. Another researcher there named Brock wasn't convinced. He believes in the orbs, since he believes the description of Mothman's giant, glowing red eyes, and ability to fly is more descriptive of an alien encounter than a Bigfoot encounter but he has his own theory on the origin of Bigfoot. He believes Bigfoots are the prehistoric human rivals, the Neanderthals. It's a known fact that human beings and Neanderthals were battling pretty heavy 35,000 years ago. I believe they split at that time and went off into the woods. I hope you enjoyed this sharing of opinions and some eyewitness stories of Bigfoot sightings at Urban Legends Number 12 at 1001 Heroes, Legends, histories and mysteries podcast. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. We always appreciate reviews, so if you have a chance, please do drop us a kind review. Until next Sunday, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.